Well, hey, everybody. It's good to be with you today, even though it still doesn't really feel like we're together at all, does it? And, and that's the one thing, I, at least I hope, that we can agree on, is that through all this, we've learned that it's not good for us to be isolated and alone for long periods of time. Even the introverts that I know are saying, all right, enough already. But whether it's right now or some other time in your life, we all face these times where we do feel isolated and alone. Maybe that's right now for you. And the difficulty of the circumstances we're in seem to quickly drive feelings of loneliness into anxiety, and then anxiety turns into fear, and it just seems like it's this kind of circular motion. And the more we become afraid and anxious, the more we feel that we're fighting our battles all by ourselves, like it's somehow us against the world. When have you experienced that in your life? For me, the clearest example I can give you was actually several years ago. We were out of town visiting some friends when all of a sudden I had this terrible abdominal pain. And of course, I just assumed it was something that I ate. Nope, it was my appendix. Went to the emergency room and they determined pretty quickly that it had to come out. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, no big deal because you know people do this all the time. I should be in and out of here within a couple of hours. Now, the more that you get to know me, the more I think you're going to realize that very rarely does anything go as planned for me. Yes, I'm that guy. And for an extra bonus, all of this happened over the 4th of July holiday, so the surgeon that was on call didn't want to come in that evening, but would rather wait until the next morning. And so nobody seemed to think that was a big deal. Well, the next morning, it was a big deal. The machine started beeping, people started running around, and there was anxiety building in the room, and suddenly things were moving really, really fast. And while I don't remember a lot about it, this is what I do remember. The surgeon was yelling at everybody to hurry up. I actually felt like I was watching a movie and just sort of staring aimlessly at the ceiling lights as they passed, as they rolled me into the OR. I started to feel anxious, and even in this room packed full of other people, I felt totally alone, completely alone. And then I saw the mask coming down toward my face, and I started to count backwards from 100, and the very last thing I heard the surgeon screaming was, why didn't anybody call me? This is really bad. I was terrified, and then, the lights went out. But what about you? What are the struggles or the challenges in your life that are causing you to feel alone or for, for you to feel anxious or maybe in despair? Maybe it's something that you're going through right now. Maybe it's a result of all of this craziness with this COVID-19 stuff. Or maybe you're just going into that time or maybe you're just coming out of a time like that. But all of us, no matter who we are or where we're from, or anything else about us, all of us face times of darkness and despair at many points throughout our lives. But today, as we continue in our Fearless series, I hope that we can see that there's actually an antidote for the poison of despair. And I hope that we can see that even during these tough times, we also, strangely, have the opportunity to rejoice. And I know that that sounds crazy. 
I know how that sounds, but I actually do believe that the Lord is going to help and guide us into a greater relationship with him to help us understand that as we continue our journey through Psalm 23. But let me pray for us here first before we get started. Lord, we thank you that no matter what we face, no matter the struggles, no matter the challenges, Lord, that we can come to you and give you our burdens. Lord, you have promised to take them from us. And we ask that right now you do that, that you make good on your promise, that you come by the power of your Holy Spirit and you lead us and you guide us into greater understanding of who you are and deeper and more meaningful relationship with you. We thank you, Lord, that, that you don't let us do this alone, but that you are right here with us. And we ask that you just speak a word to our hearts that we may be changed in this moment, forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is week three out of five in Psalm 23. And remember, the very first week, we talked about how the Lord is our good shepherd. And then last week, Rick Matson helped us understand more about what it means to be a sheep of God who is led and fed by our good shepherd, Jesus. But today, we're going to be looking about what happens when the going gets tough? What happens when life throws us a curveball or when things don't go our way or as they're expected? Well, right there in the middle of our text today, tucked right inside, is the most important truth to remember when we face challenging and, and even impossible circumstances. We're looking at verse 4 today, which it probably sounds really familiar because it's definitely the most famous in all of Psalm 23. And so let's actually, before we get to verse four, let, let's practice our memorization. We'll start at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, you've probably heard this a lot at funerals or at bedsides, because the words themselves seem to be directly addressing death itself. And we know this psalm and these words bring comfort to the dying, as well as to those who have just lost a loved one. But as we've said before, Psalm 23 is not just about the dead or the dying. That's not all it's for. It's for the living. David, after all, was not dying when he wrote this. And so the phrase, the valley of the shadow of death, it is not just referring to death only, but it's actually referring to all of life's moments when we're weighed down by sadness or sickness or fear and uncertainty and so on and so on. In, in fact, another and equally valid translation of this phrase is the valley of deep darkness, which I think helps make it easier for us to recognize that it's talking about any time in our lives that we're facing difficult circumstances. Take a look at this photo for a moment. Do you see how even in the middle of the day, there are still dark shadows that are covering the valley? If it's already dark during the daylight, imagine how dark it must get at night. I bet you can't even see your hand 
in front of your face. But sometimes the reality is that the shepherd needs to lead the sheep to places that they can only get to by going through the dark valley. Now, the valley is a terrifying place. It's a terrifying place for the sheep for a whole number of reasons. They can't see what's coming next. The valley usually has all these twists and turns. And, and so you have no idea what's waiting right around the bend. Could, could be a predator uh, waiting right there for the next meal. Could be a thief waiting to snatch a defenseless sheep. They also can't see what's up above when they're going through the valley. So all these same dangers might just be lurking right up over the top of their heads and they wouldn't be able to see it. But they can feel it. They can sense it. The sheep become anxious as they know that danger is all around them, ready to pounce at a moment's notice. We've already talked about how sheep can't really fight. They're not very smart. They can't really run fast. And now in the valley, believe it or not, they're even more defenseless and more vulnerable and more dangerously exposed than at any other time. Especially when the, the valley gets narrow. In these really narrow parts of the valley, there's only room for one sheep to pass through there at a time. And it's right there, it's right when they're passing through that moment where they start to feel the most alone and separated and the most afraid because they're segregated from the rest of the flock. And so they start to also feel isolated and abandoned. Does that sound familiar? Can you relate to that at all? I know I can. I think of the times in my life where I, I had my heart broken or, or the time where I interviewed for this job and I was really sure that I was going to get it and then I got the call that it went to somebody else. Or when things just don't simply go like we expect or want them, like, like when a simple appendectomy gone wrong turned into four years of trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It can be tough, can it? But frustratingly, it's also to be expected in this life. And I think our text helps us see this because remember, verse four starts with the words, even though. Now, the phrase even though is a conjunction. It, it joins two dissimilar ideas together into one sentence. So remember last week, Rick taught us about how the good shepherd makes the sheep lie down and rest and recuperate by the still water. But now this week, we're talking about the valley of deep darkness. Why is that? Well, even though yesterday things were great, today, today there's trouble. Today we're faced with new and more complex challenges and struggles than ever before. But even David found himself in times of dark valleys. And David, after all, was someone that was referred to as a man after God's own heart. So I think what we can learn from that is that tough times are just part of the reality of this thing called life. And if you haven't had them yet, you will. We all have them. And even though our individual experiences and what the things are that we're each going through might be completely and totally different, we share in the fact that all of us have moments 
where we start to feel like hope is lost. But hope isn't lost. The journey isn't over. The shepherd still leads us, even when we walk through the dark valleys. Because the next part of that is, I walk through, even though I walk through. Not over the valley or around the valley, but through the valley. But why couldn't we just rather avoid it altogether? Why not just go a different way? Or why not just turn around and go back to the green pastures and the still waters where life was good? Can't we just go back there? Well, here's another frustratingly unavoidable truth in all this. The Lord teaches us as we walk through these valleys in our lives. More than any other time, he teaches us to depend on him and to trust in him alone. And sometimes, as you well know, this can be a short trip. And other times, it seems like it's never going to end. Feels oftentimes like we're on a roller coaster of ups and downs, just hoping for this to come to an end. But at the same time, I think it's interesting that it doesn't say that we run through the valley. No, we, we walk through the valley. We walk because the Lord reveals things to us in the valley that if we're in a big hurry, we would miss otherwise. And like the sheep, if we do try to run, we will most likely trip and fall, break an ankle, and, and make things much worse. So it's important to remember that it's the shepherd who is the one who sets the pace here. And I realize that none of this is easy to hear, much less live, especially in the culture of give me what I want, what I really, really want, and give it to me right now. Because what we really want, if we're being honest, is to avoid pain altogether. We want to avoid challenges. We want to find any way to not have to do the hard work. But we'd rather take whatever shortcuts we can possibly use to get out of trouble as fast as we can. And whether or not we want to admit it, most of the time it's because we're anxious and we're afraid. And the longer we're in the valley, the worse things seem to get. And yet the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So let me get this straight. Not only are the valleys of trouble and darkness expected in this life, but even worse, when they do come, we walk through them, through them, we walk. And then to top it all off, somehow we're not supposed to be afraid. I mean, come on. That's just too much to ask, isn't it? We can't do it. I know I can't do it. But here's the key to unlocking this entire psalm. Everything that comes before this phrase and everything that comes after this phrase is all related just to knowing this Key. Matter of fact, if you look at the original Hebrew for Psalm 23, you're going to find that there are exactly 26 Hebrew words before this phrase and exactly 26 words that follow it. Meaning that not only 
does it reveal the heart of this entire psalm, the key to all of its understanding, but it's actually in the physical center of the text as well. And so think about this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. For you are with me. God is with us. I just think that's an amazing thing for us to consider. Even when we're walking through the dark valleys of life, we don't have to be afraid when we remember that God is with us. You, God, are with me. And the fact that he is with us gives us strength and guidance to just even be able to take one more step especially during the times where we don't know where the road is headed. We can't, we can't see around the bend. We feel surrounded by all these enemies all around us and, and even above us. Things that are waiting to just take advantage of us and bring us down. When the temptations of this world do their best to try to convince us that they're not actually too good to be true and we should trust and follow in them, it's in those moments that we really, really need something real. Something that we can count on. When everything else fails and everything seems like it's falling apart and everything, all of our trust and confidence in all of these fake things has all been stripped away from us, then all we have left and all we can trust is our good shepherd. This is interesting, you see, because at the beginning of this psalm, David was talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. That's all third person. That's talking about God. But now, now everything is different because in the valley, it's not the same. David ain't talking about God anymore. Now he's talking to God. God, I trust that you are with me in this valley. And so when we're in the valley, we also can trust and believe that God is also with us. It's in the valley that we go from knowing about God to truly knowing God. And truly knowing God brings us into relationship with him like never before. We're no longer talking about God. We're talking to God because we know that God is all that we have to hope for. Even in the midst of our struggles, the God of all creation does not abandon us in those tough times. He's right there with us every step of the way. You have a God this is amazing, I think. You have a God who will stick by your side and go into places where no one else would dare go with you. You have a God who stands right up in the middle of the shadow of death itself and shouts, behold, I'm here with you always to the end of the age. But it's not that he's just with us. It's also true that he fights for us and he protects us. And he comforts us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And now, 
I'll grant you this. To, to most of our ears, that doesn't really sound very comforting. This tends to be misinterpreted a lot. But, but we need to look at this from the perspective of the sheep and the shepherd. This is a rod and this is a staff. And the shepherd carries both of these, one in each hand, and both have specific and entirely different purposes. This one probably looks familiar to you, and this one maybe not so much. But when the sheep see these things in the shepherd's hand, they are comforted. Why is that? Well, the staff... This, this is, makes an appearance nearly in every Christmas pageant or something like that. This is familiar. But the staff is for the sheep. It's used to gently guide and direct the sheep along the way. And the sheep know that when they feel that tap of the staff, oh, better pay attention. Going the wrong way here. Got to get back on track. And this hook end is used to rescue sheep that have fallen into trouble. Like if a sheep falls into a crevice or a ravine or down a hole, this hook is actually used to go in and get the sheep, bring them back out. That's the staff. The rod, however, this is very important. The rod is not a gentle correction tool. The rod is a weapon. And it's a weapon that the shepherd is not at all afraid to use. But here's the thing. It's not a weapon used on the sheep. It's used against the enemies that attack the sheep. The rod is for the fox or the wolf or the lion or the bear or any kind of predator that comes and grabs the sheep. The shepherd will use this rod to beat the enemy and save the sheep. And David knows this well, actually, because David was a shepherd of sheep way before he ever was king. And so we see in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, this is when uh, David is arguing with Saul and saying, hey, let me go fight Goliath. He says this, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And so a shepherd is someone who is strong and fierce and ready to fight at a moment's notice. And yet, at the very same time, a shepherd is someone who is kind and gentle and caring toward the sheep. So imagine that as the image of our good shepherd, Jesus. He uses the staff along the way to guide us through the dark valleys of life, just one step at a time. And as he walks with us through those valleys, he talks to us. He calls us by our name. And he's always, always on the lookout for enemies and temptations that are coming to do us harm. Enemies like fear and anxiety and, and depression 
and sickness and sadness and loneliness and despair and maybe even other people who are coming and trying to tear us down or, or these kinds of temptations that are just sort of lying in wait, exposing our weaknesses, taking advantage of us, especially in a, in a world full of outrage and uncertainty. Guess what? The devil is hard at work setting all of the snares up he possibly can to trap us and to turn away from God. These enemies are what come for us when we're at our weakest and when we're most vulnerable. And yet we know from Scripture that it's in our weakness that our good shepherd is strong. Our good shepherd fights for us and defends us all the way to the point that it cost him his very life. That's how much he cares for you and for me. And so here's today's big idea. Even though life is hard, the good shepherd is with me always. Let's even change that a little bit further. Even though life is hard, my good shepherd is with me always. In John chapter 10, Jesus says more about this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So whatever and whenever challenges and struggles come your way, whatever you're facing now or whatever you're in the middle of dealing with, even when you're in the darkest valley, and you can't see your way forward, no matter how bad it gets or how impossible it seems, there is absolutely nothing that our good shepherd has not already overcome. If Jesus is your Lord and your leader, then the encouragement to you today is to rest assured that he is with you. He is fighting for you and he is guiding you all the way through to the other side of the darkest valley. And this is true even when the dark valley is the shadow of death itself. When our bodies are overcome or when they finally wear out or, or when there's a terrible accident or a crime or when the treatment stops working, that doesn't mean that the good shepherd stops working. While the shadow of death seems to be something that's so final to us, the hope we have is in the promise of the goodness of our shepherd. He will meet us in the valley and he will see us through. He will make a way for us where there, there just seems to be no 
way, when our strength fails and we fall apart and we don't even have the ability to take one more step, that's when Jesus, the good shepherd, will come and pick us up and put us on his shoulders and carry us on to eternal life with him. And that's why there's no reason to be afraid. Because we know that God is with us, that is the reason we rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you meet us in the midst of our darkest times, our darkest valleys. Whatever the struggles are that we face in our lives, Lord, we trust and believe that you are there with us, leading us, guiding us, teaching us, and fighting for us, protecting us, and making a way for us to get to the other side. You lead us through that valley. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. And Lord, we, we thank you that even when death finally overcomes us, that's not the end of the story. Lord, you've said more and more often, not only in scripture, but to each of us, this is not the end. I remember laying in the recovery room of that hospital after the appendectomy, after all the things that had gone wrong. And I remember, Lord, you comforting me. Bob, you are not alone. I am with you. And so, Lord, that's what we ask for everybody. We pray for those who already know you and already follow you, that you will give them comfort and guidance. But we also pray for those who don't know you yet that you might call them into relationship with you. And Lord, we even pray for those who are against us, who are our enemies. Lord, we pray that you will come and break their hearts and that you might position us, each of us, to act as your under-shepherd in those circumstances, that we might actually make a difference by leading people to you, the one the only, the ultimate good shepherd. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.